Good morning. Uh, Sam asked us all to uh, talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that are important to us here, some of the things that excite us about Living Stones. And uh, so, uh, you know, praying a lot this week and, uh, of course, my nervousness about standing up here and uh, not having notes. <laughs> so it's like winging it. But, uh, you know, um, one of the things, and I think I've taken it for granted, but uh, thinking back about when Kathy and I first came here about 10 years ago, we, uh, we immediately volunteered to be uh, like Sunday school teachers at the time when we had individual classes here. And, um, you know, uh, being uh, a Sunday school teacher or uh, helping in Sunday school or the classes, a lot of times... Uh, we plant seeds. We are the seed planters, and we don't usually get to see harvests. Um, and looking at, in 10 years, if you really go back to the children's area, we have a lot of kids. And, uh, you know, we talk about one of our missions is the south side of South Bend to get to everybody. And, you know, each generation, if we don't get our kids to a certain point, we lose them. And when we have opportunities, we have to be able to see them. And with this small of a church, we have such a huge abundance of future warriors. We really do. And what we do with them has a big part to play on how much we grow, how much we grow on the south side of South Bend. And uh, when, when Sam was talking about that we are just an extension of the parents, it is true. We are an extension of the parents. But as parents, we need to continue to be involved. And parents here, you have an awesome opportunity to plant seeds not only for your own children but for other children. Um, I've been blessed to be able to actually see some harvest. Uh, Ten years ago, uh, Caleb Barrington and Chad Steele, and they're still here. And Chad, when him and Caleb used to be rambunctious little kids back then, uh, to the point where they're at right now, we get, I get to see some harvest. And it's so awesome to see like Chad last when he was at his retreat and got baptized, and the young man that he's grown into, and Caleb, you know, you see him up here playing instruments, and the young man that he has developed into. Uh, out of all the years that Kathy and I have been doing this, which we've done children's ministry for 30 years, we finally got, I got to see some harvest. And that is so awesome to see young people. But it's all our responsibilities to make sure that we continue to make that growth happen. Because that next generation or two generations are back there. And how well we as Christians do what we're supposed to be doing, we have a powerful opportunity to make an impact on the south side. And that is really, uh, it's exciting, and, uh, but it's a lot of work. So uh, as the new children's back thing is being uh, redone, 
think about your opportunities to help grow this church and our community and the surrounding folks that, uh, that we can impact. Um, another thing that uh, I was thinking about was back when I was in my, boy, way back, <laughs> I did some really dumb things in my life. Uh, and most of it was when I was in the service. And uh, most of the things I did um, are uh, embarrassing. Uh, most of the things I did uh, in most churches would not, you would not be accepted, you know. And, um, and so as I, you know, when I got out of the service, and, uh, and I tell you, I did, I think, everything that you could do wrong, you can do wrong, including getting a divorce and, and everything else in between. And I thought at that time when I got out of the service that I was worthless, that everything I've done, who could care about that person, let alone as we started going to church when Kathy and I got married, is I've done everything wrong. How could I be an inspiration or how could I, you know, tell anyone else, hey, look, this is not right. And, uh, and I struggled that, with that for a long time. And then a few years ago, I was asked to be an elder here, which I actually said to Sam, I said, you know, I'm not even qualified because, you know, what, it said, what I interpreted the Bible at the time is, man, you've done all the things wrong. How could you be an elder? How could you minister to anyone? How could you pray for anyone? And, uh, and he talked to me and, and uh, said, you know, that's kind of the one kind of person we need uh, to help folks. And, uh, you know, I still didn't get it. But uh, when I'm up here and I get to pray for folks um, and that, are, that, went, that are going through struggles that I went through, and when I pray for them, and, I, and when we pray, I, I pray that um, we truly go with more than one in agreement because I've been there. Shed those tears, shed those anxieties, and going before God, I'm not only praying for who I'm praying for, but also for my, myself. And, uh, you know, maybe all those things I've done puts me in a point in my life right now where you know, when folks are going through something, I can truly understand. I can sympathize with them. I can walk with them. And I can most definitely pray with them about the issues that they're going with, going through. And even though I didn't see it then, and I wish that to no one going through the things that I've done, but I believe it's made me the person today to be able to pray for people, to be able to walk with them. And uh, so I think in the long run, it's a blessing in disguise. No matter where you are in your life, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter how bad you think you've done, guess what? That cross right there eliminates all that if you choose that to be. And uh, if you do, your walk begins new. A lot of challenges, but you have been made whole. And if you can be a testimony to someone else, then you are helping God's kingdom. You are furthering his kingdom because he 
took all the messed up people in the Bible, and he's taken messed up people today. He'll take messed up people tomorrow. Because we understand if we've gone through it, we can help others. And so those are the things that kind of excite me. Parents, you have a great opportunity with the kids. And everyone else, you have a great church here. We have a bunch of messed up people, and when we pray for you, we pray for you. And we mean it from the bottom of our heart. And to me, that, that's what makes me feel privileged to be a part of this community here and part of this church. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. I have notes. <laughs> How do you do that? Matthew twenty-eight sixteen through 20 says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This morning, I'm going to take the time that I've been allotted to talk to each of you about discipleship. One of my greatest passions, as well as the leadership here at Living Stones, is trying to find ways to make our church body desire a closer relationship with Jesus. I know many, if not most of us in this room, would say we are saved, meaning that we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. That said, I would say that we are each in the process of working out our own salvation, like Paul said in Philippians 2, 12, and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now let me make it clear that the phrase, work out your salvation, isn't a reference to work as in earning your salvation through works, but instead by spiritual growth and development as you seek out a deeper relationship with Jesus. Salvation without seeking after Jesus is merely fire insurance, and God desires so much more for us here on earth. Paul goes on to encourage them, do everything without arguing or complaining, so you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. You see, we are called to be that light to this world. And if I may get personal for a few minutes... If and when, and my prayer is when, you are willing to become true disciples of Jesus, your life will change forever, and not just yours. It will change the atmosphere of your marriage, your children, and even your grandchildren yet to come. I know because it happened in my life. You might be thinking, Jim, I come here every week. I sing the songs, take communion, shake some hands, pick up my kids, Go home, and nothing changes. And to that I would say, exactly. When I say becoming a, a disciple of Jesus, I mean getting to know him. Let me ask you, do you read your Bible? Do you even have a Bible? 
Do you pray? And I mean, do you go someplace quiet in your house and talk to God? And I mean, really have a conversation? You might ask, what do I say to him? Well, let me remind you what Pastor Sam says. God is crazy in love with you. So don't be afraid to approach your Heavenly Father. He's been waiting for this moment for a long, long time. And begin to pray for and with your spouse. Together, you can begin to pray for your children. And I'm telling you, this is going to change the environment of your home. All of a sudden, the peace that you sense in your own life is going to filter down to your whole family. You will have more grace for your spouse and children than you have ever had. Will things be perfect? No, they won't be. Life happens. But the tools for leading a victorious life are found in the Bible and in the heart of God when you seek him through reading and prayer. I help lead Celebrate Recovery on Monday evenings. One of the first things people learn is you can't live this life alone. Not only that, God doesn't want you to live your life alone. When you get to know someone, when you want to get to know someone, what do you do? You spend time with them. It's the same way with God. The Word of God says in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to proper, prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. This is great news, church. The call to become disciples will not only impact men, women, and families at Living Stones, but also the people within our sphere of influence as well. Not to mention the 42,500 people on the south side of South Bend. But lip service won't set this ship to sailing. Have you ever joined a small group? This fall, let me encourage you to join a group. We will have men's groups, women's groups, groups for married people, and individuals as well. It's a great way to meet new people and find some commonality with others at Living Stones. That no matter how we do it, it starts with each and every one of us taking the same challenge Jesus gave his disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Another even more dynamic way you can start on your new journey is to get baptized on August the 16th. If you have never been baptized, maybe you don't remember your baptism, or just want to rededicate your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ, now is the time. What better way to make a statement of faith to those around you than to get baptized? Church, we can make a difference if we just turn our lives and our wills over to the power of God. The impact will be life-changing and eternal. If you need any help, any one of us would love to help you get started. Don't wait. Now is the time. Let's take this journey together. Thanks. Good morning. I have notes and it's 18 font. right. I may have to put my glasses on anyway. Who knows? Deb and I have uh, been coming to the Livingstones Church since October 2008, and it was really clearly, clearly obvious to us early on that this was a special place. 
what stood out was this was a place that anyone could come to. It was a safe place. A safe place to heal and to find restoration from all the hurts of life. This has become the place where people have said, if I ever walked into a church, the roof would fall in. Well, it hasn't and it won't. Instead, you find love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And that's what I love about this church. I have great admiration for people who uh, take time to restore a piece of furniture or a car or even a house. The time and the commitment to a process of putting it back together, that's all, that commitment has always been inspiring to me. And it's not, and if you've ever restored anything or watched somebody restore something, it's not a process that happens in a short amount of time. It takes lots of time to make sure that every place that was damaged or worn out from use and abuse is strengthened back to its original condition. There's no cutting corners usually when it comes to restoration. The Living Stones Church is involved in the process of restoring lives. This is not only a safe place, but it's a place where lives can be restored back to your original condition. We've heard Sam talk often about the ministry of Jesus and his messages and how Jesus spent large chunks of time and valuable time with people who had failure in their life. He ate and met with those who had bad choices in their lives or who had hurt themselves or had hurt others. He sat with them and he ate with them because his purpose was to offer them restoration and healing instead of judgment and condemnation. I appreciated Jim admitting to all of us that we have, all of us as elders, have failures in our lives. And all of us here this morning, whether we've admitted it to ourselves or not, we have failure. We've made poor choices that have resulted in Literal, literal train wrecks. We're, we've been at odds with our children. We've been fired from our jobs. We've failed in our marriage. We've developed a bad attitude and become real jerks. We've managed our money poorly and even become broke. We've become addicted to unhealthy substance. We've developed a nasty mouth and we gossip horribly. We have unhealthy relationships that will destroy us. We have become a mean person Some of us have abused our bodies with food and lack of exercise. We've destroyed friendships and we've compromised our integrity and uh, always kept our word. And that's for all of us. Well, that probably cast a shadow on on one of us this morning. One of those cast a shadow on us is what I intend to say. Yet we're supposed to be well-disciplined and strong and mature individuals, but we've all failed at at one time or another, to achieve that maturity that that we would like to achieve. Well, what are the options? Well, the options are very simple. One, we could just continue living life miserably, and um, that's that's probably not the best option. Another Another option is to cover it up and live in denial and still be miserable. Or we could admit our failures, Accept Jesus as Lord and allow a restoration process to begin in our lives. Surrounding ourselves with people who love us and accept us. Being real about our failures so that they become a part of our past. 
accept God's forgiveness. And my goodness, forgive ourselves. And take on a mission to help others restore their lives too. I love the ministry of the Living Souls Church because of the passion that we have for restoring people's lives and continuing to restore our lives. I love this church because this process takes place over and over again as people walk in the door and in our lives as we walk in at the, at the beginning of the week, looking back at the past week, knowing that uh, we failed a little bit. It is, not, it's, it is not filled with a process that will break down already broken people, but it's a process that's refreshing to me. We get to hear life-changing messages from Pastor Sam each Sunday morning. If you have students or children, they get to attend a specialized ministry that ministers to them. We have a prayer team that will confidentially pray for your needs as you speak with them and talk with them. We have small groups that we can be a part of that give us encouragement and tremendous help. There are opportunities to serve and help in ministry, and we get to invite others so that they could come and be restored as well. The process is one that goes on uh, forever. And we face difficult times, and as we face difficult times, we get to, once again, access those resources so we can be strengthened again. As your elders, we want you to know that we're not here to look down our noses at you. We're here to love you. We're here to pray for you. We're here to help you with a plan of correction. We're help, here to help encourage you. We're here to teach you. We're here to celebrate with you. In closing, I want to remind you of a story that I know you're all familiar with. When Jesus stopped at a well on one of his journeys, and he began speaking to a Samaritan woman. And in their conversation, Jesus uh, told her that he knew that she had many failed relationships. And in John chapter 4, verse 39, uh, we learn this. After he, Jesus talked to this woman and talked to her about her failed relationships and, and even um, pointed out to her that the man that she was living with, she wasn't even married to, he brought her to a place of restoration. And this is what happened next. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because this woman said, He told me everything I did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two more days, long enough for many people to hear the message and believe. Then they said to this woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. It took one broken woman restored to make a difference in her community. Imagine what God can do in your community if we submit to the restoration that he's given us. It's been a pleasure talking with you this morning. Good morning, church. Sam just finished a, a series last week, Selfie. And in that series, 
he warned us of the addictive behavior and the compulsive need for and the use of communication devices. He also told us that in our world today, our time is consumed with phone calls, texting, tweeting, Facebooking, and emailing, all of which focus on our selfish need to be at the center of the communication stream. The question I'd like for us to consider this morning, and we should ask ourselves individually, is how much time and how often do I communicate with God? As Christians, we should have our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus at the very center of our lives. This morning I'd like to talk briefly and like to discuss how we can have great communication with our God. We can do this through the privilege of prayer. You've heard several of the guys already speak about prayer, and this is, is near and dear to my heart and my family's heart. Prayer is an important part of how we relate to God. At the base, prayer is talking to God. We can pray alone or in a group, silently or aloud, using written prayer or spontaneous words. But to be in prayer is more than just speaking words. Scripture portrays a life of continual prayer, meaning a kind of openness toward God in all that we do. Our entire lives should be prayers to our God, exhibiting the praise and the love of our Creator and our Savior. I'd like for us to consider three things to know before we enter into prayer. First, God cares for you. Because of God's unfailing love for us, we can bring anything and everything in our hearts to God in prayer. Prayer is a safe place of trust. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us, Cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Secondly, God hears your prayers. God Almighty is listening. Because we are His beloved children, no prayer is too small for Him to hear. 1 Peter 3.12 tells us, <coughs> pardon me, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Third, we can pray with confidence. As believers, we can all equally approach God because of our unique relationship and standing in Jesus. Ephesians 3.12 tells us, and in, in Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and with confidence. Why pray? God's Word instructs believers to make prayer a high priority 
in our lives. Colossians 4.2 tells us, Devote yourselves. Here, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Prayer should not be regarded as a duty which we must perform, but as a privilege that we can enjoy. Prayer draws us closer to God. In prayer, we worship, we confess our sins, we bring our requests to God, and we wait. We wait for Him to speak. In short, we enter deeply and directly into a relationship with God. Romans 12.2 tells us, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Prayer is powerful. Our prayer requests bring real change in this world. And our prayers tremendously affect the lives of those that we pray for. Tremendously. James 5.16 tells us that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And prayer brings peace. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 tells us, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all of our understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't we want that kind of peace in our lives? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, I pray that we would all seek you and your righteousness first in our lives that you and the Lord Jesus would always be at the center of all we say and do, and that our love, our faith, trust in you and Jesus would grow and mature. I pray that you would grant us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that we need to serve you and your kingdom. Father, I ask that you bless us with spiritual physical, emotional, and mental health. I ask that you deliver us from the bondage that Satan may have over our lives. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would guide, direct, and protect us as we seek you and the Lord Jesus in our lives. We ask this in his name. Amen. This Sunday that Sam is away and the elders have been asked to talk about what's on our hearts, it's been advertised as getting the band back together. And that's what precipitated the soul man before the official worship started this morning. And it's always good to get the band back together. The three years that I played the trombone have not gone to waste. 
I gave up the trombone when I found out the women did not find premier trombonists particularly appealing. <laughs> so we were left to our own decisions as to what we would be talking about this morning to our beloved living stones. There was no collaboration and each of these shepherds have spoken to you about things that are on their hearts and are of concern to the living stones. Being able to go last, I get to close this presentation in my signature upbeat style. <laughs> so I'm going to talk to you about death. <laughs> now as macabre as that may sound, it's really about succession and continuity that I want to discuss this morning. Almost 20 centuries ago, the Apostle Paul wrote to his younger protege Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.1, whoever aspires to be an overseer or an elder or a shepherd desires a noble task. I personally have served as an elder in this congregation for 29 years as of this summer first in the Dom Moyer Avenue Church of Christ, and then as we transitioned into the Livingstones Church. And I want to make a confession about a significant portion of my past tenure as an elder here. First of all, I was only 37 years old when I was selected. And I have to assert that at age 37, I still had a lot of maturing and growing to do. And in looking back, I don't think I was truly an elder or a shepherd at that age in the biblical meaning of the term. And in point of fact, the body of elders then served more as a board of directors. And each time we met, it was basically a business meeting reviewing how we were going to do uh, the budget, what repairs had to be made to what, and establishing the salary of the paid help. That's not to say there was no spiritual dimension to the role, but it was very different from what is being lived out by these men who serve God and you here now. And I want to tell you that I do not want to go back to the old days. As we transition from the old Don Moyer congregation to the Living Stones, Randy and I were serving as elders at the time. Now Randy and I were born three months apart, as also 750 miles apart, and yes, I am older by three months. But we both came from the Acapella Church of Christ backgrounds, which meant that we were both seasoned Pharisees, right, who were requiring a thus saith the Lord for everything that was practiced in the name of religion, or we viewed it as apostasy. Now when Soul Man was being played this morning, and Walt got up and gave his Soul Train rendition, Randy and I went back and threw up a little bit in the foyer. <laughs> but I say that to say that uh, unless you had a thus saith the Lord for everything that was practiced in the name of religion, we viewed it as apostasy. So both Randy and I had a lot of internal wrestling that we had to do when Sam caught a vision for the direction of this church and determined to lead it from being consumeristic and self-serving to reaching out to the community around us in zip codes 46614 and 46613. And I only put the 14 first because I live in 14. <laughs> and it wasn't easy. And I have to give Sam a lot of credit for challenging us to examine our views and practices and then being patient to allow us to make changes. I think that process actually began for me 
uh, back in 19, at the end of 1996, when he was finishing up his master's degree at Abilene Christian University in Abilene, Texas, and was moving back here to South Bend. I flew down to Dallas, where he picked me up at DFW, and we drove 125 miles over to Abilene from Dallas to load up the van. And in that 125-mile trip, we got into some religious arguments. And of course, I thought I was right, but I one state public, I have to credit my son with coaxing me and kicking and screaming and dragging a lot of the way to re-examine my conception of church and discipleship and leadership. And I confess, since he's not here, <laughs> that I think he was right. But I reserve my right to ha- that we all have room to grow. So what am I trying to say? We have transitioned to the Living Stones And when we did, it was just Randy and me and the eldership, and that was workable because our attendance was only about 80 to 100 folks at the time. But over the next few years, we had explosive growth. And you came and declared that you were all in with what we were attempting to do with the South Side and what we were dreaming of doing in areas beyond. And God brought three more godly men to help in that shepherding task. Not to be a board of directors, but men who know how to love and pray and counsel, who, as Jim stated, and we all have to agree that we've, we fall into this category, we are sinners, we are hurting, we are weak, and we are in need of grace and mercy, which is the condition of every single one of us in this room this morning, no matter how long you've been a follower of Jesus. So Jim Ruth, Jim Selk, and Jeff Britton were brought here, and I believe by God, just at the right time. I've never worked with a group of men as these four men where there is a complete unity of purpose and an absence of ego and ambition. And I guarantee that each week they lift up prayers on behalf of those they shepherd and desire God's best for each one. Every Monday afternoon, Angie Metters emails out a list of the prayer requests that we get on these connection cards. And I guarantee you every one of these men reads those and prays about them. Each of us are flawed men with our own weaknesses and issues, but we are reliant upon God's grace. And as is often mentioned from this platform, we are a a congregation of messed up humanity. But that is exactly why God sent his only son into this world, to redeem messed up, corrupted humanity. As we move forward, we have to recognize that there are others, younger, after all, Randy's 66 now, that need to be called into this work, who love God above all and who are selfless and have a desire to help others. And as a group, uh, I don't think I'm letting any secret out of the bag that we are in the process of identifying shepherd hearts who will continue to love the love and the shepherding after we have passed from the scene, which we estimate 30 to 40 years from now. Now, over the next few months, I pray that we can put forth names of those who will share in this work of love and help make this body even stronger. This morning has been our attempt to share our random thoughts and concerns with you and to let you know that we thank God every day for our brothers and sisters here at Living Stones. You are God's blessing to us. Now, that means that You might be getting out a little earlier than what if Sam had been here this morning. We come to a point in our worship right now 
where we get to support what's going on.